During the summer, according to the Sefi Yitzir, according to the Book of Formation, every month has a certain sense. So the sense that's connected with the month of Tammuz is the sense of sight, vision. And simply, the reason why it's connected with vision is because Tammuz is the hottest month of the year. And this is also the month because it's hot. People see more of each other. More people are outside than inside. And it's a time that we have to both protect ourselves from the things that we do see and protect ourselves from the things that see us. So there are two aspects of sight. One is that we can be affected by the things that we see, and one is that we are affected by the things, by the people that see us. So we have to work on our, on the, on our power of sight. So there are different, um, different techniques, if you wish, how to work on this. And certainly in terms of visualizations or seeing different things, to train ourselves to see a certain way, and that would also help us to be seen in a certain way. Because if someone, not only do we see things a certain, certain way, but if someone sees us and has negative thoughts about us, and we are susceptible to those negative thoughts, we can also be affected by the other person's vision. Like we'll say on a level of quantum mechanics that uh, the observer affects the observed. So what people see of us this is also called, in Hebrew it's called ayin hara, negative eye. The way it works is, is that if someone looks at you in a certain way and you're receptive to that negative way of seeing yourself, then you open yourself up to that negativity. So there are different methods of visualizations and awareness meditations. And we're going to talk particularly one which is connected with Rebelezer Ascari. <clears throat> Rebelezer Ascari was a Kabbalist and a very famous poet that lived in the 1500s. Some of you have know his poem, that, but you don't know that he's the author of this poem, which is a poem that we say before Shabbat services every Friday night, Yedid Nefesh, comes from Elezer Eskari. Yedid Nefesh, I'm Rachman, familiar with that poem. So he's a student of Ramayisha Kardavera, and they lived at the same time. He's a contemporary of the Ariza Rai He's living in the 1500s, and they're living in the city of Tzvaz. Rebelezer Skari wrote one book that we know of, besides his poems, and the book is called Sefer Acharedim. And in this book, we're gonna, I'll show you soon, the book basically deals with three issues, the existence of the Creator, to understand the spirit and how things work on a spiritual level, the concept of mitzvahs, the practices, and the idea of tshuva. If someone fouled and made a mistake, how they rectify their past and undo things that were done in the past. This is the division of the book in these three parts. And the second part, which is, deals with the mitzvahs, which is a very unusual way of doing this, he divides the mitzvahs into eight groups, and each group parallels to another 
body parts. So there are mitzvahs that are connected with your eyes, and mitzvahs are connected with your nose, and with your hands and your feet, and he does into eight different body parts, and he divides the mitzvahs that way. We're gonna, I'm going to try to show you something very interesting, that if you look from the beginning of the text till the end, we'll see there's a certain idea that's starting to be developed in the beginning, and it culminates at the end of the book. And it also culminates with a particular meditation, an awareness meditation, a certain type of visualization, but a visualization that we'll see soon is not externally created or internally created. It's not that you create the visualization, but it's something that you become aware of, something that already exists previously. And this, according to the tradition, is a very ancient practice that dates back thousands of years old, and he quotes it from a text that he says that it was thousands of years old, this practice. So this is the story of Elazar Ascari. This is the book that we have. It's called Sefer Chredim. And we'll start with the first thing that he talks about. Like we said, the book is divided into three groups. So the first part speaks about Metzias Hashem, the existence of the Creator, and to understand the Sefirot. So in, in understanding the Sefirot, he has um, an explanation which is not specific to him. We have this also from the Ramak, from Rashi but he talks about this clearly. Let me try to explain what this is. I'll read a little bit in the Hebrew. I'll translate this. That um, he talks about the Sefirot, that the Sefirot are called Orot, they're called lights. <laughs> the first sphere is called Keter, crown. This is more brilliant than the lower nine. And as the light goes further downwards, it becomes denser until the final sphere, which is called Malchus, is a dark light. And that's what the, the, the Medrash says, it's Zohar, Zahir Chashuch, dark light. Okay, let me just explain what this means in very simple terms. When we talk about the Ainsa of the infinite light, the infinite one, so light is just a metaphor. It's not literal, it's not that the Creator has light, Hashem is not light. But light is the best description that we have to to express an idea that we feel in our life, that we sense that it's here, right? If you shut the light, you see that it's darkness, but, but you can't tap the light. You sense that it's presence, that we're sitting in the presence of the light, yet it's untangible. It's not tangible. So you sense that it exists, but it's something that you can't actually physically touch. So this is a way, this is a metaphor, the way we can speak about the Creator. It's the core God the ain't self, the infinite light. It doesn't mean that it's infinite, it doesn't mean that it's that it's light, but in the way we describe it is that it's it's the presence, it's the light, it's the life force of creation. It's not palpable, we can't it's not tangible, we can't touch it, but we sense the presence everywhere. So in the light itself, there are two aspects of the light. There is the light, which is called R, and then there's the vessel which is called Kli. And uh, the higher light is considered, like we said over here, the, the higher light is a clear light, a transparent light. 
and the lowest light is considered a very dark light, or Choshech. So this is the difference between these two lights. Let's try to understand this in terms of, in a relationship to our own self, so we can really understand what this difference is. So there's light, there's or, and there's kli in this vessel. This, the example that is brought here is that the higher light is clear, and the lowest light, which is malchut, is dark. Now the light itself, the or and self itself, is colorless. Because by definition, if we say that it's infinite, it means that it has no color. It has no color, that means it's colorless it's, and it's formless. So when we say that the light has a color, this is only from the perception of the vessel. So let's imagine you have ten clear cups in front of you. One cup is blue, the glass is blue, one glass is red, one glass is green. You pour in the water in the different cups. From the perspective of the person that's seeing from the glass inward, it appears that this water is red and this water is blue. From the perspective of the water itself, it's all the same color, which it has no color. So you ask the question, if the Ein Sof has a color or not, is the formless one color, colorful? Which means when we have a relationship with Hashem, we'll say that Hashem is kind, is chesed. If we say God is kind, that means God is defined. That means God is finite. So how can we call God finite? How can we call God kind? So the truth is that what we're saying is that it's only from the perspective of the person that's sensing the light that's colorless through the vessel that appears as chesed. So the spherot, the actual attributes of the divine, are not actual attributes. The divine doesn't have any attributes. It's the perception of the person that's receiving that pure light as to one person it appears as chesed, and to one person it appears as gvur, as strength. You're following? So it's the same light that's appearing differently to the people that have different vessels. And the, the people that are standing outside that are observing the relationship to the light. So it's the one, the light appears red, the one, the light appears blue, but it's the exact same thing. What happens if you have a very, this would be a clear cup, and you see the light, it means, and you see the water, you're seeing clear water. Then you have another vessel that's red. Let's say, for example, so you see the water is red. What happens if you have a very dark color cup? Then you're barely going to see the water, right? If it's, and if it's completely non-transparent, you're just not going to see the water at all. So the density of the vessel creates the relationship to the light. If the, if the vessel is clear, then you see more light. The vessel is more dense, you see less light. The light is there the same way. It's both there in the first cup and the last cup. But it's the perception to the first one it appears one way, the second person appears another way. I'll give you an example of this in your own life, besides on a cosmic level, just on a very simple level in your own life. Light, in our relationship to life, is, is, uh, is love or relationship or connection. That's what light represents. Vessel represents the opposite of that, the separation, that you feel separation. If you're sitting... On uh, sitting next to somebody on a plane, let's say, and you don't know this person, and the person falls asleep on your shoulder. Okay? It's possible that this could happen. This person's, I don't know, the average head, the weight of a head is, I don't know, let's say 20 pounds, 10 pounds. But this person's head on your shoulder, which you have no real connection to this person, feels like a 1,000 pounds. 
Now, what happens if it's your child or someone that you really care about or love and the person falls asleep on your shoulder? So the 10 pound feels like one pound. So what does that really mean? It means that the more connection you have with the other person, the less vessel you feel, right? The more vessel you feel, the more that means the less connection you have with another person. So when we talk about the orange of the infinite light, if we're sensing the light in our life, if we're sensing Hashem in our life, that means we're feeling less vessel. If we're sensing very little of Hashem's presence in our life, Hashem's presence is always present. It's the matter of our perception. If we sense a lot, then everything streams transparent. We see it in every detail in our life. If we sense it a little bit, it seems more opaque. So the light changes, but doesn't actually change. It only changes in its perception to the, towards, towards the person that's perceiving that light. And the higher light is clear, and in, in the lower vessels, it's more dense. So this is what the Ramak also writes this, and Alaskari explains this more clear, maybe, is that the idea of the sphere of Malchut, so we're not going to go through all the spherot, but Malchut represents the divine presence within creation. So that's the, the divine imminence of creation. If a person um, sees a, the, the sunset and says, I feel connected to, to the Creator, I feel connected to Hashem, that's because they're sensing the Shekhinah's presence in this world. That's Malchut. If a person just feels like their life makes sense, or they feel very much connected to another person, that's all the Shekhinah's presence. That's a reflection of the Shekhinah's presence in this world. It's very imminent. It's very tangible. It's what you what you see in your own life. If you see Hashkach uh, Pratis, divine providence, you know you met this person because of that. You met the other thing. Something else happened in your life. That's the sense you're sensing the Shekhinah's presence in this world. The Shekhinah is another word for the word the sphere of Malchut. Malchut is the Shekhinah. So we talk about the coloring. When we talk about a transcendent experience, which is an experience that is, we'll call, outside of nature or defies nature or beyond nature, something that's unexplainable, that's really a sense of the higher spirit, which means that there's less color to the vessel, the more sensing of the transcendent. When you're having an experience where it's, the experience is very much vested in this three-dimensional universe, like I say, you're seeing the sunset. It's not, It's a natural thing. It happens every day. But you happen to experience it, and you say, wow. So you're sensing something that's natural, and in the natural, you're saying that you feel that there's a presence of Hashem in that sunset. Or you're speaking to someone, and you're feeling the presence of Hashem in, the, in that conversation. Or you're being close to someone, and you feel that. Or you're being with a child. Any, any situation, you feel really the hand of Hashem in your life, or the presence of Hashem in your life. Nothing supernatural is happening, nothing out of the ordinary, just a normal event, but if it's the elevated normal event, that's what we can call, that we can call as a Shekhinah type of experience. So it's not, not, it's not an unnatural event, it's a very natural event, which means it's coming through the vessel of Malchut, which is a very dense vessel, but in there there's a little, the light penetrates a little bit through that vessel and you're sensing something that's beyond it, but it's not a completely beyond experience. You're following? These are the two types of experience that we can have. I'm just giving the two extremes. Either you can have a sphere, like a sense of a, a, a Keter moment, a Kesser moment, which would be the high transcendent experience of oneness, or it's just like in a, in, a, in a sunset, and you're feeling Hashem's presence 
Shekhinah's presence in this world. In terms of the metaphor, when we talk about the vessel, because it's the light, the infinite light, the Ein Sof doesn't change. It's not, God doesn't change. Over here, the sunset is one, and, and, and it's transcendent experience is another. It's the exact same. There's, no, there's only one. There is only one. It's our perception that changes. So here we're sensing transcendent. Here we're sensing, sensing something that's very imminent. So the, the perception changes. The perception is already the vessel. Here we're seeing through a dense vessel. Here we're seeing through a more transparent vessel. Correct. That's correct. Correct. The highest levels that a person that is humanly compi- capable in terms of the spherot in the worlds, but I'm not going to get into this, is, is, is seeing of Netzach and Hoyd of Bria. You can't really go higher than that, that level because you're still physical, so no matter what your experience, will still be through the workings of your, of your uh, self, which is physicality. However, you can have something that's, there's something that's very, very, it's almost, it's a tangible experience. It's just you're having a very good conversation with someone that you're very much in love with and you care about, and you feel Hashem's presence in this conversation. It's nothing out of the ordinary happened. Or sometimes, let's say you, a person's ill and miraculously they're healed. There's a different type of experience. One you're sensing more of light, one you're sensing more vessel. You're both sensing the light, but one is through more an opaque vessel, one is more through a transparent vessel. So that's the difference, but the light itself doesn't change. The aura itself is the same. It's just the way we're experiencing it that sometimes we're experiencing. Let's just try to get through this in a lot of material. The, 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 we're experiencing it on a, on a higher level or we're experiencing it through a more dense vessel. So if we talk about the sphere, we'll talk about Keter. We'll call it clear. That's the, the color of Keter, the light of Keter, meaning the vessel of Keter, the highest of the sphere would be clear. What does it mean clear? It means that you fill it up and you can distinguish between the light and the vessel, which means that you are you're still there's still a self, but you're so absorbed in the infinite one that there is no separation, or at least you don't sense the separation. That's a very high level. Then the, the experiences that most of us have would be related to Shekhinah's presence in this world, which is called Malchut. If we had to scheme this in terms of colors, there's various colors. Not that the spherot actually have colors. Of course not. We have to be very clearly clear about this. Not that Hashem has color and not that the spheros have color. These are perceptions in terms of our perspectives. So in the perspective of Atsilus, in the perspective, I'm sorry, of Keter, it'll be transparent. The vessel will be transparent. In the Keter, in the, in the vessel of Malchut, the, the vessel is very dark. Dark, it's a bluish, a very dark blue. That's called the Ortichla. And it's also reflected on um, in the tzitzis that we don't really do today anyways, but the concept of tzitzis is that you have white strings and also you have a very dark blue string. If you ever look at a traditional talus, you'll see that on the talus there's these black stripes across. I mean, today people are doing all the interesting colors, but the traditional talus is white and has black stripes across it. The black, stri- the black stripes originally were very dark blue. And that was a reference a remembrance of the original tchelas that was actually on the strings. Because we didn't have that dye, we just put it on the talus itself to remember that color. That idea of a very dark color. So we don't want to call it a black color. Because if it's a black color, if the, if the vessel is black, means there's no escaping of any light. Which means there is no R, but we're talking about the spirit. So we're saying it's it's a type of blue. It's like the, uh, uh, when you look up in the sky in the middle of the night and it's a very dark, dark blue. That's the color of the sphere of Malchut. 
Okay, so this is. No, that's a, that's that. Actually, that was originally intended for that purpose, but it didn't. Uh, 